0: Welcome to CPAC Today in Politics. Coming up, Canada makes moves to try to limit the spread of the latest COVID variant.
1: We are banning the entry of foreign nationals into Canada that have traveled through Southern Africa in the last 14 days. Second, for all those that have arrived in Canada in the last 14 days, we are asking them to quarantine now.
0: The federal and BC governments face the catastrophic flooding together. It is a real thrill to have the Prime Minister here today standing with British Columbians in one of our most difficult times. And it's having government-to-government government meetings so as the one we just concluded, uh, having a flyover and visiting with people in Abbotsford as Minister Farnworth and the Prime Minister did today that brings this issue home for all Canadians. And the new Chief of the Defence Staff talks about the challenges he's facing.
1: I think the biggest change you're hearing from Wayne Ayer is where we go from here is wherever the government tells him to go from here. And that's different than what we've been hearing in terms of, you know, sometimes publicly but clearly privately in terms of resistance within the military leadership of it uh, against having civilians sort of dictate what has to be done to change the culture in the Canadian Armed Forces.
0: It's Monday, November 29th. I'm Mark Sutcliffe. Let's get right to the top political stories this morning. I'm joined by Peter Van Dusen, CPAC's executive producer and the host of Primetime Politics. Good morning, Peter. Morning, Mark. I don't know about you, but on the weekend, uh, the the number one thing people were talking about in my circles was this new variant of the coronavirus, um, this new variant of COVID-19, Omicron, and... There's a lot of discussion, obviously, in policy circles about what governments should be doing about it, what Canada's response should be, whether we should be shutting down the border to, to uh, flights from certain countries and that sort of thing. What are you hearing about how the government is reacting to this?
1: Well, the government's made it clear that it's it's you know it's it's banning essentially travel, uh, you know, from any of those seven countries in southern Africa, where so far. Uh, you know, the the variant's been present, and although we saw over the weekend markets popped up in the Netherlands, it's popped up, I think, in Belgium, popped up in Australia, and hearing experts from the World Health Organization say it may already be uh, in circulation in Canada, so um, you know, it reignites the whole conversation around travel bans and and whether they really make a difference, so that conversation's back on, but you know, the government's moving a lot quickly, uh, more quickly this time than it did the last time in terms of uh, making sort of immediate changes to, uh, you know, the the rules around uh, travel to Canada from some of these countries, and I suspect we're going to uh, see more changes. Um, this is clearly just the beginning of this, and there's, uh, in terms of this new variant, Omicron, and, and how, uh, you know, how, how bad it might be, how uh, more transmissible it might be. So there's still a lot of answers we don't know, but uh, I think... You know, what the past couple of years have taught us about COVID is that uh, there, there may be some merit in uh, getting out ahead of it, uh, getting out ahead of, uh, of possible effects and impacts even before we know exactly what they might be. All of that uh, while trying to carry out this delicate balancing act between, you know, shutting down uh, economies again, shutting down travel. So I'm, I'm really watching over the next couple of weeks to see whether this is going to lead us back uh, to a place where we've come from, with far more severe restrictions, and and so a lot of challenges I think for the government in the weeks uh, government in the weeks ahead in terms of how to manage this, based on uh, how quickly the information changes and uh, what kind of impact it might might have by cutting back again on yeah. you know openings and, and banning gatherings and. Uh, if if it starts to become prevalent as a variant in this country and, and starts to spread quickly, um, I think a lot of people are, are worried about where we might be next. And it was the same uh, I was same on the weekend with my circle of, uh, of friends and contacts. This is uh, all anybody was talking about and wondering, with a certain amount of trepidation, what might be coming next.
0: Yeah, and, and we are hearing as well that the vaccine manufacturers are looking at this, and and Moderna on the weekend said that. There might be a new vaccine to respond to this maybe as early as the new year. Um, So we'll keep an eye on that as well. Yeah, Uh, I think
1: that's really, that's the other, you know, the sort of of positive flip side of this. Uh, The world's been under siege uh, from this for the past almost two years. You know, and I I think what's really interesting is how quickly the world sort of engaged, and by the world, I mean the experts and the scientists and, and the, the vaccine makers and so on, how quickly they engage to meet this, uh, you know, at the front end, and, and it's created, uh, clearly created this uh, reservoir of understanding and, um, you know, uh, and the ability to be nimble and pivot quickly to where you, 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 you see that in a matter of hours, oh, there's a new possibly more dangerous variant and you have a vaccine maker saying we think we can produce something to fight it early you know in the next several months so uh that's uh, i think really reassuring to see that there's this level yeah. of engagement where everybody's paying real close attention and vigilance and ready to pounce on it uh and, and bring whatever measures they need to fight it I, that's uh that's really interesting to see
0: all right, let's turn to the situation in British Columbia, and uh, and of course, uh, there, the, the Prime Minister was there last week. He met with the Premier of British Columbia. Um, there's a, a joint committee that's being struck of cabinet ministers at both levels to address disaster response and climate resilience. Um, the government's going to match donations that Canadians make to flood relief, and... Um, so, uh, I think one of the interesting themes arising from this is just uh, the, the immediate action that governments are needing to take, and the cooperation that's required to respond to a crisis like this—not just an immediate crisis, but but future challenges that we're going to face as a result of climate change.
1: Yeah, true enough, and I, I think I sort of hit the nail on the head uh, that that it's it's identified. Uh, you know how important governments uh, can be in a time of crisis the number one duty of any government is to keep its citizens safe and it sort of feels like you know uh, governments are around the world and but let's focus on Canada It feels like we've been under siege for a couple of years between the you know the pandemic and especially in the last couple of weeks with these storms on the, the west and east coasts and uh, what, what that's meant for not only you know problems for Canada but also Sort of galvanizing, uh, you know, the uh, you know the premiers and the prime minister around the need to, uh, you know, again protect the people they represent. Uh, but the other thing I'd say is that in watching the last week or so, don't forget we had a report from the environment commissioner last week, Mark, that said the last thirty years have been an abject failure uh, in in the battle against climate change. You know, no ifs or buts. Uh, it's been a mess. It's been a disaster. It's been a total flop. So what you have, you know, I I think there's now a a growing, um, you know, you know mass of uh, support uh, that you, you see in the country that you know, when it's when people can see for themselves exactly what happens, you know, the the, the results of inaction, it, it makes the job of a government or governments that are committed to moving on climate change, and that and then that's going to be perhaps costly and, and in some cases uh, uncomfortable for some Canadians who who may want to resist it. Uh, when you see the evidence put before you, as we're seeing in the last 10 days or so, it, it makes a pretty compelling argument for change and rapid change. And uh, I think it takes a lot of the sting out of people who who may not think we need to move that quickly. Uh, look what's happening around us. And I think you know that's something you're going to hear, not... You know you've heard it, as, excuse me, as part of the narrative uh, from the federal government. But I, uh, they're very careful about how to use that narrative in a time of disaster. But mm-hmm. uh, they're going to be able to point to this, and no doubt other uh, storms and natural disaster disasters that are going to come our way, and that will be hinged to at least some degree on on uh, changes in, in the climate and how that. Might help galvanize a Canadian audience behind measures and urgent measures to make change.
0: All right, I wanted to talk for a moment about uh, the new chief of the Defence Staff, General Wayne Eyre. Um, of course, uh, this this change in leadership, uh, this confirmation of his leadership of the Canadian military, is coming at a really critical time, as there continue to be uh, claims by survivors and victims of. Uh, sexual assault in the Canadian Armed Forces. Uh, There are thousands and thousands of claims. Um, There's a new defense minister who's promising to address this, and General Eyre uh, gave an interview on the weekend on uh, global television uh, talking about uh, where we go from here. Um, So what are your thoughts on on the challenge he has in front of him?
1: Well, I think the biggest change you're hearing from Wayne Eyre is where we go from here is wherever the government tells him to go from here and that's different than what we've been hearing in terms of, you know, sometimes publicly, but clearly privately in terms of resistance with, within the military leadership of bit uh, against having uh, civilians sort of dictate what has to be done to change the culture in the Canadian armed forces. Uh, that's not what General Air is saying. General Air is, uh, is saying, look, uh, we got a problem. Uh, the problem's big and I'm not, uh, I'm on side with government suggestions and the suggestions from outside experts that we need, uh, you know, uh, help from outside uh, and and direction from outside, not just in terms of how we shift the culture, but how people make complaints uh, about oversight. Uh, this used to be a thing where you know keep your hands off the Canadian military. Government should have nothing to do with oversight of the military. And so, uh, this is not about government oversight. This would be about independent bodies overseeing the actions of the Canadian military. Um, with a view to exposing these kinds of problems that we've seen over the last number of decades and and giving members of the Canadian Forces an outside um, organization uh, to which they can report their complaints and, and move their grievances up the line without having to worry that their careers might be impacted. So General Eyre is, uh, is saying the kinds of things that clearly, you know, got him appointed to the job permanently. Which is, uh, this is an open book as far as he's concerned in terms of the problems and how to deal with them. I'll take all the help I can get, and reinforcing the notion that you know military leaders respond uh, and report to their civilian leaders. The direction of the forces, you know, is 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 ordered by the men and women. themselves. And that's the kind of thing that, you know, uh, we we didn't hear a lot from previous commanders. There was always this idea of trying to, you know, walk this middle line where we need to be able to do our jobs that we can't be interfered with. Uh, this is a different tone we're hearing, that uh, an acknowledgement that uh, the place is a mess and that it's going to need a radical change in, in supervision and in direction uh, to get it back to what it needs to be to represent Canadians.
0: All right. And just quickly as we wrap up, Peter, I wanted to draw attention to the fact that uh, we're expecting today the government will table a new bill to ban conversion therapy. And it looks like this is going to be an enhanced version of a bill that that was was put on the table previously, but uh, it didn't pass before Parliament was dissolved ahead of the September election. So what are you expecting on that?
1: yeah that bill died in the senate uh, in the dying days of the parliament before the election was called two things to watch for mark uh, in the bill today it's going to be more extensive than the past bill so the government has seen an opportunity here uh where they almost got the last one through uh, but it wasn't as strong as this one it dealt with a ban on conversion therapy uh, for uh, people uh, 18 and under this one is going to be a ban on conversion therapy for including adults that's a that's a that's a change, and the other thing I want to watch for is to see how quickly the government can move it through. This is one of their priority bills; they wanted to get through before Christmas. Uh, will they be able to do it? We know. In, in the last Parliament, roughly half of the Conservatives uh, were uh, in support of the bill to ban conversion therapy, and the other half were, were against it. Uh, the NDP and the Bloc were on side with the Liberals. This is going to be a more forceful bill, but the indications are that I, this time, I think there'll, there'll be even more Conservatives uh, supporting the passage of this bill. The question is, will they be okay with passing it as quickly as possible? Can it make it before Christmas? I think right now it's a maybe.
0: Okay. All right, Peter, we'll see what happens. Thank you so much for joining us today.
1: All right, thanks, Mark. Great to talk to you.
0: That's CPAC's Peter Van Dusen. Now, here's what political columnists and commentators are writing about today. In The Hamilton Spectator, Jeffrey Stevens argues, we should probably stop calling the Liberals a minority government. Stevens writes, it would be more accurate to call them a flexible majority government. The last thing the Liberals, New Democrats, Block, or the Greens want is to face the voters again. Not for at least two years. Only the Conservatives will bluster about defeating the Trudeau government, but that is an act. They have nothing to gain and everything to lose by even contemplating forcing Canadians into another trek to the polls. In the Toronto Star, Robin Sears argues the success of Germany's new coalition government offers lessons for Canadian politicians. Sears writes, Germany had its latest election a week after ours. This week, they released a 177-page set of specific policy pledges with detailed agendas and timeframes. The new German coalition used the time between Election Day and this week to hammer out a strong and united government, drawn from both left and right. The political union displayed ambition, coherence, and policy competence at its launch and has since unveiled an impressive framework. In an editorial, the Toronto Sun considers David Suzuki's apology. The Sun writes Alberta Premier Jason Kenney, among others, called for David Suzuki to retract his remarks about pipelines and apologize. To his credit, the scientist did just that, saying any suggestion that violence is inevitable is wrong and will not lead us to a solution to the climate crisis. Point taken. But let's hope it was taken by other activists, some of whom go to extreme measures in their climate activism. Protest must be safe and respectful. Suzuki was right to take a step back. Other activists should pay attention. Now here's what's coming up on today's political agenda. The Prime Minister will speak with the Premier of Nunavut. He will also meet with Erwin Kochler, the Special Envoy on Preserving Holocaust Remembrance and Combating Anti-Semitism. Justice Minister David Lametti, Minister for Women Marcy Ian, and Tourism Minister Randy Boissoneau will make an announcement via teleconference. And NDP leader Jagmeet Singh will be in Montreal to meet with the Quebec Federation of Labour. And that's CPAC Today in Politics for Monday, November 29th. Tune into Primetime Politics tonight on CPAC for coverage of all the day's events. Our podcast returns tomorrow morning. Have a great day.